3: This
0: is Sunday Bet Prep with Matt Humans on Vison the sports betting network.
2: Hour number two of the Sunday Bet Prep Show, NFL preview for three hours here on the eve of uh, Sunday of week 18. Scott, it seems like time is flying by in this NFL season.
1: Man, we wait for this stuff all year long college football in the NFL, and it's over before you know it. And, uh, I, I miss it. I, I love handicapping college and pro football more than mm-hmm. any other sport. Uh, to sit and watch a game, there's nothing better to me than being at a baseball game, a Major League Baseball game in a place like Petco, a couple of friends, a couple of cold ones. But when it comes to handicapping the games, man, there's nothing better to me than trying to figure out college and pro football. I just love doing it. So it's kind of a bummer, man, from, you know, February until August. You just got to, you know. Keep grinding out in college basketball, the NBA, all that kind of stuff. But I'd much rather uh, – I, I could go for 24 weeks of football. What about you?
2: Sure. <laughs> the, the betting world revolves around football. Absolutely. Does, the NFL is king. Everything we do here at V-CIN as well. Uh, so we, fortunately, we do have the XFL, so we can talk about that all summer.
1: <laughs> Season tickets are you money. Have
2: you started to break down the XFL Oh, rosters? yeah, yeah, sure. Huh? All right, how about the Chargers <laughs> and Broncos? The Chargers might look like an XFL team – on uh, Sunday, Brandon Staley, the coach, said these. Uh, pro- well, the indications are he's not going to play most of his top guys. And it looks like Justin Herbert and others are going to be sitting out of this Sunday game. We've had a flip of favorites and a line move of uh, six, six and a half points here, Scott. And uh, there might be an even bigger line move on Sunday once uh, we get a clearer picture of how many guys are going to be sitting out for the Chargers who uh, appear to be locked into the five seed, I believe. And uh, right now, they are three-and-a-half-point favorites here at Circa. It's three at DraftKings. And Dwayne Clucci at the Rampart told us, you know, you might see four or four-and-a-half on this game by kickoff on Sunday afternoon.
1: They're healthier than they've been all season. I mean, if you look at the injury reports for these NFL teams, I mean, they're Tolstoy, Leo Tolstoy-Long. You look at the Chargers, and it's brief. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like quick – it's the Cliff Notes version. And I'll tell you what, there's hardly – anybody injured for this team, they're as healthy as they've been all season – and my thinking is, why in the world would you want to even mess with that going into the postseason? So I would be sending my guys for this game from start to finish if I'm coaching the Chargers uh, to keep them healthy. So listen, it's this is a, such a tough handicap. I mean, they can I think it's they can still finish in a six seed, right? If they if the Ravens win or the Chargers would lose this game. So I don't know if you know playing for the five seed is if that's what they still have to play for is all that big of a deal to this team. So it's too tough of a handicap for me before knowing what happens a little bit earlier. And, you know, as you mentioned, six, six and a half point move, depending on whether or not you the Chargers plays at starters. Uh, Denver's got a ton of injuries, by the way. So I don't even know if we trust them, you know, when you're going up against a team that's playing at second unit, not playing key players, Denver's really banged up. And, you know, you get a little spark out of them because of the coaching change, but I didn't even want to lay it. I, the three, three and a half, I didn't want to lay it. Mm-hmm. I just decided to leave it completely alone. I got to tell you right now, there's no chance I get involved in this game before kickoff. It was probably, to me, the toughest handicap of the entire board.
2: You know, it's it's interesting, too, because the Broncos were, they looked like a motivated team last week in Kansas City. Sure. Russell Wilson had one of his better games. In fact, two of his best games this season have been against the Chiefs. Right. And uh, I don't have to tell you that because you you put together a <laughs> Russell Wilson highlight reel. Hey, and Colucci homily. called uh,
1: him one of the best weapons in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I was over here. The camera wasn't on, but I was like, yeah, tell him, Dwayne. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I'm sure the Broncos do want to end the season on somewhat of a – it's a cliche, but a high note. <laughs> and uh, they're 4-12. and 12. They're locked into last place in the AFC West. It's all about what's going to happen in 2023 uh, in the offseason here for the Broncos. But they did play well. I, I, I was surprised that they uh, played as well as they did last week in Kansas City. And it makes me think that uh, they might show up here in Week 18 for Jerry Rosberg, yep. who – Dwayne Colucci called the worst coach in the NFL. <laughs> um, I don't know if I, don't, I actually don't even you know
1: can't judge if Judge him is. off of one game. <laughs> Least effective? No, uh, he now he's pretty effective, too.
2: Well, last week, it looked like the Broncos got a bump from the interim yeah. coach, from the coaching sure. change.
1: Does that carry over to this uh, one? I don't know about that. I'm not going to count on it. I did see today on Saturday afternoon. I the should Rosberg say. effect. Yeah, the Rosberg effect. That's going to be a new trend. i got to write that down for you, know maybe two years from now. But uh, I I did see earlier today that uh, they've been given the okay to talk to Sean Payton. So that'll be interesting to see what comes of that down the road. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to throw Rosberg's, you know, the the changing of the guard, uh, spiking the team last week into a good performance against Kansas City. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put that down as part of my handicapping for this game. Uh, you can't con me into it, humans. There's no way. <laughs> Stand away from the Chargers and Broncos.
2: I have not played the Broncos <laughs> yet, but I actually was thinking about it at minus three because I actually think this number is going to go up a little bit. There's no reason. I, I don't. First of all, I don't think the Ravens are going to Cincinnati to beat the Bengals. So it looks like the Chargers are going to be the sure. five seed, right? Now, why would you put uh, your top receivers? Why would you put Justin Herbert? Any of those guys right. out there? It just doesn't make sense, and that's why. A play on the Broncos looks like it makes more sense, but it's not a bet I have made yet. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about the Rams Seahawks game. Uh, We're also going to hit on this when we give you the Circus Survivor update in the next segment tonight. But this is a meaningful game for the Seahawks, Uh, Scott. They're six point favorites. What do you think the Rams are going to bring to Seattle?
1: I tell you what, man, I'm driving in today to do this show and I'm listening to some NFL talk and they were talking about the fact that Sean McVay may not be back as the head coach of the Rams next year, which is the second or third time I've heard that discussed this week. So that's pretty
2: interesting. Don't you think, too, the more this is talked about where there's smoke, there's fire? Of course. It's like uh, this is coming
1: from somewhere, right? Absolutely, because nobody would suspect. There would be no rumors floating around without, again, like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire, without any thing behind it to make people think that this isn't just something you're going to, Hey, I wonder if McVay is going to be back next year <laughs> based off of a bad season. So right, right. there had to have been some talk somewhere being leaked out that uh, this might be his last game as the head coach for the Rams. I don't know if that gives him any motivation to go out and win this game. Uh, when I look at the the way they've played, the way Seattle's played down the stretch, I sat there and thought, boy, does six feel a little bit too much? And I teased the Seahawks down to pick him. And I started looking more and more into Baker Mayfield and what he's done and He's got a quarterback road passer rating of 73.2. It's also their fourth game in 21 days, mm-hmm. the Rams club. So they've got a lot of games and a little bit of time and nothing to play for. And three of those games over the last four have come on the road. Uh, so I decided to tease down Seattle. I want to, I don't want to have to count on them to win by a touchdown or more uh, lay in the six points here. And I tease them with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that teams that need to win their final two games have not fared well. I might have mentioned this earlier, or maybe it was another show before he came down here, but teams that have had to win their final two games and are up against a team that has no shot at the playoffs have not fared well at all against the spread for several seasons. Um, So there is, you know, that to think about. There's matchup issues because Seattle needs to cover running backs and tight ends. They haven't been good at that. (laughs) That's what Baker Mayfield likes to do. I'm not the first one this week. I'm about the 50th who's mentioned that. And, uh, but I don't trust Mayfield on the road. That low quarterback rating on the road as an NFL QB scares me a little bit off the Rams. I think the Seahawks get the outright win. I just don't want to have to lay that six.
2: You know, you, you talked about teams uh, that need to win. It's, uh, it's interesting. I've heard these trends a couple times this week in different time frames, and it depends how far you go back and how you define this. But teams that need to win facing teams that don't need the game in Week 18 – the teams that don't need the game have been covering it around a fifty-five to sixty yeah. percent rate. But do you do you have any exact numbers on that, or do you go I back don't. a certain number of years? Because I've seen two different trends this week, but they're both between fifty-five sure. and sixty percent, which would surprise you in favor of the team that does not need the game.
1: Yeah, the the uh, the stat that are the the situation that I talked about, which the Seahawks are in, where you got to win your second to last game and your last game, and now you're in that last game, and the opponent. Has nothing to play for. It's over 120 games. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty big sample size uh, that i have seen that uh, team with nothing to play for supposedly come out and cover point spreads. So that's I, I think it has to be factored in the mix. Those teams are, you know, they're loose. They're not worried about anything. And there are guys that are going to be playing for the Rams that are going to be thinking about you know contracts, things of for that sure. nature. And you don't want to close the season by coming out and playing a really bad game individually and messing you up a little bit potentially on your contract. So. Uh, but again, I think the Seahawks find a way to get it done. Uh, I think Geno Smith, I trust him a little bit more uh, at this point at home that I do Baker Mayfield in what will be a crazy, crazy, noisy crowd that's going to probably factor a little bit into maybe an early jump or something like that for the Rams throughout this contest. So Seattle on the uh, on the teaser, Matt, I, I wasn't ready to go full six points.
2: Uh, I understand that too because uh, I've got – the Seahawks written down on a a possible teaser I'm going to play this week. How do you handicap the Rams at this point? Two weeks ago, they put 51 points on the Broncos. Last week, they were a no-show, complete no-show against the Chargers. And now they go into week 18 hearing that their coach might be done, might be headed to the TV booth. So I think it's really hard to handicap what you're going to get out of the uh, L.A. Rams at this point.
1: It's also not a case where you're thinking, boy, we got to play well because we like this coach, and if he loses, he's gone. Right. <laughs> he can lose, and he's still going to be there on the sideline if he wants to be on the Rams' right. sideline. So there's not that extra motivational step that normally you might have when it comes to a coach who might be coaching in his last game. He might be coaching for his job. That's not the case with McVay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's already got his mind made up and knows where he's, if he's going to be on the sideline uh, next year or not. But you lose that motivation because this is all about – Man, I want to take a couple of years off and make some nice money talking about games rather than trying to coach a team. So, again, I, I don't think it factors into the mix.
2: It's a inter- interesting situation with uh, Sean McVay too, because the Rams, West, need Sean McVay. They've mortgaged the future, traded away all their draft picks. Yep. They, they put, <laughs> they went all in trying to win the Super Bowl last year, and they got actually got it done. They got lucky. Yeah. They got hot in the postseason. They got it done.
1: The writing's been on the wall for a while about this teams' near future. Yeah,
2: it's it's going to be, I think, a, a rough next five years for the Rams as Sean McVay trying to beat the uh, posse out of town.
1: It might be one of those yeah. situations. Let's get out. Let's take a year off or so and maybe come back to coach down the road. But this team's going to be hard-pressed to win more than seven games a season for a while.
2: And it was ravaged by injuries this, sure. this season, to be fair. Without Cooper Cup, that offense just has uh, no punch. He was the MVP for that Rams offense. All right. that wraps up uh, Chargers, Broncos, Rams, Seahawks and one of those games very important to a member of the Circus Survivor Contest down to three contestants three remaining contestants and one of them put it all on the line on one of the teams we just talked about we'll tell you which teams uh, are in play in the Circus Survivor Contest with $6 million on the line next here on the Sunday Bet Prep Show
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts.
1: This is Sunday Bet Prep with Matt Humans on Vison, the sports betting network.
2: Watch football with a little more on the line by playing free in the Guinness Time Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com slash Guinness. Set your lineup and watch the action unfold as you play for your share of $115,000 all season. Guinness made it more. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
1: Scott, do you drink Guinness? Once in a while. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. Not beer. a bad beer. Yeah. I kind of like beers that I can eat with a fork. I mean, I, I do, man. It's <laughs> like just my thing, man. I think I had a show that I did with Chuck out like a while a, back. Like we a spent half the show steak. on that. Yeah, uh-huh. we had like uh-huh. spent like half the show talking about uh, edible beers and, and edible from a from a unit of fork standpoint. So that was a long time ago.
2: Anyway. Let's talk about the Circus Survivor Contest. $6.133 million up for grabs. And um, down to the final three contestants. A lot of carnage early in this contest. Uh, but at the end... Uh, guys have been escaping and surviving to the final week, and here we go. We got three contestants, and they all pick their sides. Browna is the name of one contestant on the Jaguars. Jed is on the Seahawks, and the enemy within is on the Colts. We don't know who these uh, people are. We don't have the names. All this is going to resurface, or it's all going to surface here pretty soon. And If you uh, follow vcin.com, I think we're going to have some videos up and some stories. Dave Tooley and uh, our team of reporters are going to be covering this uh, very thoroughly. It's a big deal when you're talking about the biggest football contest yeah. ever. $6.1 million up for grabs. And rumor is, Scott, that the three contestants remaining might have agreed to chop this up. Hmm. I have not had that confirmed, but I've heard that uh, today. So Would you do that? If I'm one of the final three and there's $6 million up for grabs, yes. I'm
1: doing it in a heartbeat. Yes, Somebody suggested it. If I'll they take don't, the, I'll give suggest Give me the $2 million and I'll walk away stress-free Absolutely. on the final Sunday.
2: Do, do I want to put that type of money on the line on the Jaguars,
1: the Seahawks, <laughs> or the Colts? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> you can't even tease them. No, I, I, uh, I would have to take the, uh, the chop-up agreement.
2: Titans and Jaguars involved in a tight one in uh, Jacksonville on uh, Saturday night. Uh, let's take a look at Bucs and Falcons. And again, this is one of those games where the Bucks have nothing to play for. They locked up the AFC South a week ago. And um, as Todd Bowles has said that Tom Brady and some other starters will play in this game. But will they play at all? Will they play just the first half? And exactly what are the Falcons playing for? But the Falcons yeah. are four-point favorites in this spot, Scott. Um, I think this is one of the tougher games to handicap as well. I stayed away from this, and, and I think that if you like, if you believe that Tom Brady and the Bucs starters are going to play, you would play the Bucs in the first half.
1: Yeah, another great first half spot. But you don't have any confirmation, obviously, that he's going to yeah, play. Yeah, we
2: don't know that yet.
1: And or that they are going to play the starters. So, listen, you look at last week, 480 yards gained, 30 points by that offense against Carolina in a big game in which Carolina had something to play for, too. Uh, Brady has his best game of the season 34 for 45, 430 plus yards, three touchdowns, no picks. So, if, I don't think Todd Bowles should play as starters. you know He's talked about, and I get this standpoint to a certain extent, but I don't. And it's all about, you know they're saying, well, we want to make sure that we're consistent. We go to the postseason on a high, and we've done it two weeks in a row with our offense and on and on. I, I don't agree with that. I think he just did it last week against a team that had something to play for. There's nothing to gain from this. You're talking mm-hmm. about veteran uh, talent on this offense when you talk about Brady and his receiving core. These guys don't need to go out there and uh, get their feet wet or anything like that and keep the so called newfound momentum going that they had last week. I wouldn't play him at all. Uh, I don't want to lay four points. I don't want to lay more than a field goal with Desmond Ritter. You know, he hasn't looked horrible, but I don't want to back him. Uh, the offense can't score points 15 points per game over their past five games. Atlanta's covered two of their last 10. Their one and three is chalked this season. Uh, no passing game, and the defense can't stop the run or the pass. So, I don't want them, but I don't want the Buccaneers. I kind of lean towards the under, and if you're watching mm. the games closely and you see Brady, a couple of the starting receivers warming up before the game, maybe you jump on it real quick and uh, play a first half play like you said. But for me, it would be if I had to play this game, it would be under or stay away from the game.
2: Actually, I think that's uh, really good advice here. I'm looking to play either the Bucks in the first half or the under or something like that because uh, this this has really got the look of something that could be a dead game in the mm-hmm. second half. You you've got to think there's no way Brady and those Uh, first-string wide receivers are going to be on the field for the Tampa Bay offense in the second half, uh, if they even play in the first half. And, Scott, I guess one of the arguments here would be, well, the Bucs have not been very sharp, but they finally looked good last week for a stretch against the uh, Panthers. (laughs) Uh, You want to stay sharp and maybe you can get on a roll and uh, ride this momentum into the playoffs. Is that not a strong enough argument for you to uh, play Tom Brady and some of those guys at all?
1: He's got so many rings. I don't care. Yeah. If this is a young guy and maybe you're trying to build his confidence up for the postseason and he's had a so-so season all of a sudden at a big game last week, maybe you keep him in for a first half. Maybe you keep him in. But uh, as far as Tom Brady, no, man. I, I This guy does not. I don't want a chance of getting hurt. I don't want a chance of any of my top players on offense getting hurt. So I would sit them at the very most, and I wouldn't even do this, I, I would be disappointed in Todd Bowles, although I've been disappointed quite a few times <laughs> this year with his would head coaching a job. Uh, but, I would be disappointed if he has him in at all, but if you're going to have him in, it's more like a preseason game, like maybe two to three series and get him the heck out of there as starters, especially on
2: offense. I think that's a great analogy. This does have the feel of a preseason sure. game. Yep. The under might be the way to look with the total of 40 and a half. And uh, that's something I'm going to think about as well. Uh, so Todd Bowles has not done a great coaching job this year. Uh, I,
1: I've been saying that a lot, Matt. Yeah. You know, I've been saying that since almost like week two or week three of this season that, you know, to me, and they're still not talking about Todd Bowles not doing a great job as head coach. He, he's never done. He had one good season as a head coach in the NFL, and he's never been a great head coach. He's a very good assistant coach. He's got a great defensive mind, uh, but it's it's like if you look at Peter Principal, you're going to see a picture of Todd Bowles. You know, I just haven't been able to jump on the bandwagon as him as a head coach, and he hasn't really given me a reason to with the record that he's had in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I, I should rephrase that. Todd Bowles has had a great year. He's one zero. Yeah, has not had a great season. <laughs> He's 1-0 in 2023. There you go. The Bucs played their best game in the first game of 2023. There you right? go. They've turned
1: the corner. Yeah.
2: I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> they actually look pretty good. They did. Uh, Four stretches in Week 17 when they had to have the win. They're 8-8 eight and eight somehow, and they lock up the NFC South. Uh, but, uh, no, Bowles has not had a great season. Steve Wilkes has had a strong finish here for the Panthers. Uh, they are 3-2 and two in their final five games, and um, – Wilkes, his last game here as interim coach in New Orleans, and his last chance to make the statement to say, hey, I should be the full-time head coach. I think he's going to get this job on a full-time basis, but it certainly would help him if the Panthers can go uh, to Bourbon Street and pull out this Week 18 game. I like the Panthers here as three-and-a-half-point dogs. I think they're the team that's going to show up and play. And Scott, the Saints have finally turned things on a little bit here. They won three in a row late in the season, but they started to win when it did not matter. I think this one matters more to the Panthers.
1: I I do, too. If I was the owner of the Panthers, I would have already signed Wilkes to the deal. Uh, But, you know, they're going to wait till after the season, make the decision. I even think that if they lost this game, they might not feel this way going into the game. But if they lost this game, you still sign Mm -hmm. Wilkes as your head coach. We've seen that much of an improvement uh, since he took over as the interim head coach. So I think they'll come out, and I think they'll play, and they'll play motivated. They want him. The players want Wilkes yes. to be the coach next year, the and permanent that's head coach. It, yeah. And so I think they're going to come out there completely focused, not going to be thinking about Cancun, as you've referenced a couple of times with a couple of other teams. Uh, the defense did get shredded by Brady and the Bucks last week. That's a bit of a scary situation since Tampa Bay hadn't done anything on offense for most of the season. Have to give Sam Donald credit, too, by the way, uh, because the Panthers' offense has been performing quite well. Uh, since he's gotten his second chance here with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it's really a battle, I think, between a well-playing Panthers offense that's coached well and a New Orleans defense that has been playing better and better as the season has progressed uh, in 2022, along with the motivation of who wants to be here. And I think that's more with the Panthers than New Orleans. But, you know, they've covered 8 of 11 as a dog. They've been good getting points on the road this mm-hmm. year. Uh, I like him here. I, I think at plus 3.5, they're a play.
2: And I think Steve Wilkes is probably the right guy for that sure. job. And uh, like you said, the key for me is that the players want to play for him. And I think in week 18, that's the type of things you're handicapping. Right. You're not really handicapping stats and uh, matchups as much. It's who, who who wants to be out there and what's the incentive to play. And you got to think the Saints, by the way. The Saints side is going to be completely stripped down and uh, got to be rebuilt in the offseason. Oh, yeah,
1: no doubt about it. So, you know, motivation lies with this Carolina team from the individuals who want their head coach to be in place. Uh, you can't see the same thing on the other sideline. You know, it's not one of those kind of situations. And uh, when you got a team, you know, there's sometimes they'll come out and they'll play good for a week or two, uh, and then all of a sudden they'll just fall back to their talent level. Carolina's talent level isn't that bad.
2: Right. I and agree. if they've got
1: the right kind of coach, as they do, I think, in Wilkes, uh, they can win games and be in a postseason team next year because they have a decent enough talent We've seen it. Even Darnold, when they coach up Darnold, all of a sudden the offense is playing decent football. You know, I think Matt Rule is going to go down into history as a guy who just didn't have it at the NFL level. Pretty darn good college football coach, as we've seen out of a lot of coaches. But I think Wilkes is the man. I think his players are going to want to win this game. And I actually thought going into this week before that line, before I saw the three and a half, that it would we wouldn't get more than three mm-hmm. with Carolina. So I think three and a half is a nice line if you like the dog. I
2: was a little surprised too. Matt Rule is going to be a really good, uh, coaching hire at Nebraska did not. He was not ready for this uh, NFL no, he job. Wasn't. He was not the answer. And the, and the Panthers played better, believe it or not, after they traded Christian McCaffrey and yep. started to look like they were selling off all their key pieces. Will Hill, Vsin analyst, does he like Mike Tomlin in Week 18 or not? <laughs> Up next.
0: This is Sunday Bet Prep with Matt Humans on Vsin, the Sports Betting Network.
2: All right, before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. All right, vsin analyst Will Hill, a regular on this show, joins us tonight. And um, Will, wave at the camera, would you? To all your fans out there. There you go, Will. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, fit, good to see we you. You can fit again. him in a phone booth, yeah. Did you get a chance to uh, attend any hockey games recently?
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a little family night at the QU hockey. Uh, QU hockey's big, big in our area, so stepped out for a little bit. had uh, had the apps open. didn't didn't miss much in terms of uh, you know watching it. Just yeah, uh, you know, had a little uh, a little family night, but this is fun. Division comes down to this: Jags and Titans. We got a quarter left, so uh, not much more you can ask for here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for the few people out there that
2: did not get that reference, I think it's pretty common reference. But QU refers to Quinnipiac. Oh, I thought everybody got that. I figured everybody yeah. knew that, yeah. but just wanted to clarify that. QU hockey, come on. Yeah, Q-U, everybody knows what QU <laughs> hockey is. All right, we're talking about Mike Tomlin. I don't know if you've heard this, Will. Uh-oh. A little known fact, but Mike <laughs> oh. Tomlin's never had a losing season. Have you heard that? Wait a minute. We're, we, we confirmed huh? this? Do we have research on this? How do we get this information? Where did you get this from? <laughs> did a lot of research and came up with that this week. All right, so the Browns are two-and-a-half-point dogs. Why is this line less than three, and are you going to bite on the Browns here uh, as dogs in Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, I mean, as we talked about a lot last week, I mean, this is sometimes the teasers are the better way to go. And to me, the the Browns are about as good a teaser leg as you can have. Look, Pittsburgh's won all these games. They've been extremely fortunate, though. The Raiders game, the game last week, they pulled these games out of the fire. They're not going to win by any sort of margin. So uh, I think you look at Cleveland, they'll at least keep this game close. Uh, you know, I'm not crazy about taking two and a half. You might as well just wait for a three or add it as a teaser. But just directionally, I do like Cleveland here. I think, you know, Watson has not played well, but uh, we're past four or five weeks now where he's dealt with some bad weather. He's dealt with, you know, some rust. I, I think now maybe he starts to turn a corner, if not now, when? I mean, this is, uh, this is game number six, I think, for him. So to me, this will come right down to the wire. So I like Cleveland here. I think they'll be right in this game, plus the points, plus them on a teaser. Uh, I, I'd only be looking at Cleveland here.
1: Buccaneers at Falcons, uh, Atlanta currently in four, total about 40 and a half. And Matt and I were just talking about maybe an underplay here, but you're coming in with the side. What do you like here with all the, uh, the questions as to whether or not Tampa Bay is going to play starters in this game or not?
3: Yeah, I could certainly see an under here. I just can't see Tampa. I like Atlanta. I just can't see Tampa after everything they've been through this year. You know, a veteran team that's won the Super Bowl in the past, Everything with their injuries, off the field stuff with Brady, playing poorly on the field. I can't see them winning the division last week and coming out all fired up to play this game. I think this is a week where they just take a deep sigh of relief, catch their breath, get all their banged up guys healthy, and just don't get off the bus here. I think Atlanta wins this game. Atlanta uh, still has you know the revenge from earlier in the season when they got the bogus roughing the passer. All things being equal, you know, these teams with nothing to play for typically play a little better, a little harder at home the last week or so. So I just can't see Tampa getting off the bus here. To me, this is a, a week where they use it to to get ready for Dallas, heal their bumps and bruises. I think Atlanta wins, you know, a 21-10, 24-10 type of game. We'll probably see, I guess, trial, Kyle Trask. Uh, Brady usually plays in these games, but you get the sense he's not going to play much, if at all, tomorrow. So uh, I do like Atlanta tomorrow.
2: Okay. How about the Buccaneers as a dangerous team in the playoffs? Are so you going to buy that,
3: Will? I mean, you can never be shocked if Brady wins a game. But as far as winning two or three, I, I understand the NFC's wide open. I just haven't liked what I've seen at all from them. Brady and, and Evans got the deep passing game going a little bit last week. But look, you're never shocked when Brady wins. I just, I, it, man, if he's if he standing at the end of this in the Super Bowl again, uh, I, I'll just throw my hands up. I don't think they're making much of a run. I don't like this team.
2: I'm not really talking about a run. I'm just saying win a game. You know, yeah, they could and, win. And it could beat Dallas, of course. Let's say sure. they're they're home dogs against Dallas in the first round. Scott, do you think the Buccaneers? Oh are, yeah,
1: I don't think it's an automatic for Dallas right. to advance there. And and uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has enough talent, I think, to you know slow down that Dallas offense. It, it's going to be all about what Dallas has been about this whole year. I think. Well, it would be can that offensive line for Tampa Bay uh, protect Brady enough to be able to make his reads and go through progressions against Dallas? But I certainly think. They would have a chance to win that football game. I wouldn't be plunking my money down on Dallas without serious reasons to do so.
3: What's what's the line in that game look like? So it's it's Dallas at Tampa <coughs> Bay. What's Dallas? Would they give you the full three with Tampa? Mm. Would it be two and a half? I, I'm guessing it's in that range. What do you guys think? I, w- I was thinking Dallas three. But okay. Could go
1: the full the full field goal. Yeah. You
2: you might see you know the line pinball from two and a half to three
3: all
1: week. Sure. It
2: Could be one. Of yeah, those I don't think they give you
1: the hook.
3: I don't think no. they give you the three and a hook. The three
1: and a
2: half would probably be too much. I don't either. All right, so what do you think is going to be uh, the scenario here for the Chargers and Broncos in Denver? Is Brandon Staley going to sit uh, Justin Herbert, his uh, top wide receivers? Is he going to play any of his key guys here? Because it looks like unless the Ravens win in Cincinnati, which uh, is unlikely, Chargers are going to be the five seed. And this number has flipped uh, six points, Will, six and a half in some spots. And you're going to lay it with the Broncos.
3: Yeah, and I think it's going to flip more and keep your eye on these games. You know, it's a it's a fascinating day to watch the other games when correlated games are going a certain way. And like you said, if Cincinnati wins, which we assume they will, um, I think this line, boy, you're not crazy about laying three with Denver. But when you think the line might close at six, you can stomach laying the three. And I think once Cincinnati takes care of business against Baltimore, I think this line balloons up. The Chargers will be locked into the five. They'll be playing at the AFC South winner, which look pretty winnable game. I think we'll see a Chase Daniel game. I think Herbert will sit. And hey, if you're going to sit Herbert, you're probably going to sit some other key guys. So uh, I would I would bet Denver now. Keep an eye on that. Cincy-Baltimore game. I think this Denver game will move accordingly. I think this closes closer to a touchdown. I don't know that you get the full seven. But assuming Cincy wins, which I think they will, uh, this line for Denver should go up. And they'll be laying much more than a field goal.
2: Well, Broncos, Chargers, Ravens, Bengals both kick off at the same time, right? When oh, okay. okay. 1.25 okay. 1, p.m. Uh, Pacific so did you lay three here with the Broncos and uh, yes okay I didn't know if you laid three or a better number Uh, Dwayne Colucci at the Rampart Sportsbook told us he you know he thinks this number might close four or four and a half Uh, who knows but I I think the Broncos are going to be decided that the public bets on Sunday morning
3: yeah, and and again, I, I, uh, it was a good point about them playing at the same time. So I guess more of a live betting opportunity. If you know it's ten nothing Bengals, if it's, it's twenty one to ten Bengals, then then you look at you know the Chargers probably pulling some of their guys because I think they want to be the five, but they're just not going to go crazy here if they don't have to. Right.
1: Well, the Cowboys are at the Commanders. Dallas laying seven here, total forty. I teased Dallas down to one, teased them with the Seahawks uh, this week. I wasn't willing to lay the full seven, but you're kind of looking to take the other side here and take that full seven. It looks like.
3: Yeah, I mean, the look ahead line was two and a half, three, depending on on where you shop. And now we're going to seven just because Carson Wentz isn't playing. I guess some of that is because Washington has been eliminated. But I don't care who you're going from when you're going from uh, Wentz to how. I don't care who you're going to from Wentz. Nobody's worth four four points compared to Wentz. So to me, this is an overreaction. Dallas, yes, they have something to play for. Yes, they'll probably win. But uh, this game only matters for them if somehow the Giants beat the Eagles, which I don't think any of us think is going to happen. So they'll probably peek at the scoreboard. This is the same time as, as the Giants-Eagles. They'll probably peek at the scoreboard uh, at some point and see that Philly's up 10-0 or you know 14-3. And once it's clear that they're not playing for anything, I could see them pulling some guys. So to me, this is just too many points. I, I question Dallas's motivation. I question the move. From whence to how being you know worth anything, uh, so I'll take the seven here with Washington. Scott,
2: what would you do with the Cowboys here? Could you, could you tease the Cowboys down to minus one, or not even feel safe doing that?
1: I did. I, I used them. Yeah. I, I teased the Cowboys down to one. I tied them with Seattle. I might add, I might tie them in on another two teamer with uh, the Bills. Tease them down to one and a half. Uh, so I'm thinking about that also. But I was not going to lay the full seven. I just think this is a bad spot. Kind of sounds weird because when you're talking about a spread that's seven or less, I've always kind of, Will, had that mindset of if I'm going to tease a team down, seven, six, down to one or pick, I I also feel more comfortable doing it if I've got it in my mind that this team is able to win by more than seven, if you follow me there. So I don't trust the seven, but I thought at one, as you mentioned, the look ahead was about two and a half. I thought that was more trustable, to make up a word. Sure. I, I could see them winning this game by three to six points in that neighborhood.
3: Yeah, for sure. And you and you protect yourself against, you know, any sort of backdoor coverage exactly. And you just uh make it make it a little more straightforward in terms of uh terms of covering the number. I know the teasers didn't do well early on in the year, and a lot of people say, Oh, you can't bet the teasers anymore. You gotta right. get off the teasers. Like the teasers have been really good. Uh if you're playing the proper numbers and you're doing it that way, you're doing uh you're doing pretty well with the teasers sure. lately. All
2: right, so Will Hill, he is on the Falcons minus four, Broncos minus three, Browns plus two and a half, Commanders plus seven. And how about this Lions game? So if the uh, Seahawks beat the Rams, the Lions can't reach the postseason. So I'm going to guess that you did not take the four and a half yet because you might be able to get six, six and a half, who knows, by kickoff on Sunday night at Lambeau Field. But you like the Lions and the points. Did you bet it yet, or are you going to wait and see?
3: No, I'll wait just for all the reasons you just mentioned. I just think based on principle here, the lions and the Packers are not four and a half points apart. Okay. You give green Bay a point or two for home field. You give them maybe a point or two for motivation here to get to four and a half to me is a lot. I still think Detroit's going to take something out of this game. Even if they're eliminated, I think they would take something out of the fact that they could eliminate green Bay. They're sort of building something. They've played well the last six weeks or so. Uh, Hey, maybe if you're eliminated, you play a little faster, a little looser. You know, This is a good offense, so if you're down 10, you can always get a backdoor cover. I I just don't think that these teams are four and a half points apart. I think everyone's assuming Rodgers is at home, so he's going to win and and win comfortably. Uh, To me, these teams are pretty even. All right, that's Will Hill. If you have any questions about
2: QU hockey, (laughs) send them to him at NotTheWillHill on Twitter. Man, have a great weekend. Thanks, man.
3: All right. Thanks for having me. I see ya.
2: All right. We come back. Scott Spreitzer's got his best bets. Stay tuned. to v the eSports betting network.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your
5: podcasts.
1: This is Sunday Bet Prep with Matt Humans on VSIN, the sports betting
0: network.
2: Scott, we got some breaking news here. Okay. Winter sports are in full swing. Dang. Yeah. And Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for all the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a football hockey or hoops better, Bet Rivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promotions like Tuesday hockey, first goal insurance, Sunday football, parlay insurance, and more. Betrivers sportsbook, BetRivers.com. You bet a lot of hockey, right? Or you bet a decent amount of hockey. I, I
1: handicap it every day. I probably yeah. average five plays a week. I don't I'm not I don't play a lot, but I handicap it every day. So I gotta Couple of little systems that I've worked over the years, but one seems to have gone dormant this year. I, I we had a bunch of plays like the first month. I don't think I've had a system play, and it usually has at least a few a week. I don't think I've had a system play in three weeks in hockey. So when that happens, uh, I don't I don't play too much pucks.
2: I know you like to go to Vegas Golden Knights games. Absolutely, yeah.
1: no doubt about it. All right, uh, Scott, let's talk
2: about your best bets in the NFL, but I want to kick it off with college football here because you've got a bet on the game on uh, Monday night even though you're going to be traveling to Utah and you're not going to watch this game. You do have a bet on TCU Georgia, the national championship, and you're going to lay the 12 with the Bulldogs. And uh, why do you like Georgia here to, I, I assume, outclass TCU? I will say this. When I watched the Sugar Bowl and the way Alabama outclassed Kansas State, and I started to think about this uh, TCU-Georgia matchup, I said, maybe that's a hint of what's to come on Monday night.
1: Well, there is a little pizza joint on Main Street in Cedar City. Mm-hmm. and yeah, might end up there uh, to okay. watch this game because we will be arriving about an hour and a half before the game kicks off. But uh, our annual Utah-Cedar City trip, uh, where sometimes we do a little skiing, sometimes we do a little hiking. As you can see by this physique, I do a lot of hiking, so... <laughs> I'll have the hiking boots on. Anyway, uh, I trusted my numbers <laughs> back in Ohio State last week and I'd done a few shows going into that and I said I can't recall the last time that I saw a team with all of its players and playing in a meaningful game be that far off the line from what my power ratings were late in the season. Right. And I had talked about and wrote about mm-hmm. it that the Buckeyes, I had them even with Georgia. Before the Michigan game, before the Buckeyes played Michigan, of course they led the game by three at halftime. They had really a bad quarter and a half after intermission, and that was that. And I know Stroud looked bad for a couple, you know, quarter and a half or several plays in there. The the team just made a lot of mistakes, and they got burnt, and they missed a couple of opportunities on offense to hang around. So, I had to trust the power ratings. It was obviously a meaningful game. I looked at some of the matchups, and I thought, all right, Georgia's outside of the top 50. When it comes to their past defense, it's not quite at the same level that they played at last year. Uh, Still, you know, arguably the best team in college football. So we took the point. So uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is I made this number 15 and it's down to 12, 12 and a half. I did see a couple of 13s popping back up today. So I had heard early today, we're talking this morning by a couple of sports book, book makers that they were talking about the fact that they haven't seen big time sharp money come in yet. And and Matt what I'm thinking about that I'm thinking if you were going to play TCU and we're talking about sharp money right you're not going to wait till that line drops you're not gonna, you're going to get on that when it's 14 13 and a half 13 or whatever you're not going to wait till it's down to 12 so to me it kind of feels like a situation where you're going to see maybe some sharp money coming in on Georgia between now and kickoff I like Georgia I bet on Georgia when it got down to 12 and a half um, again I, I have to trust my power ratings of 15. It's not a big play like Ohio State was for me last week, but it is a play. And when I look at the Horn Frogs, you know, kind of going back to what you were talking about with Alabama and Kansas State. We sat here doing a show one Saturday night, the first meeting between K-State and TCU. And K-State jumps out to a 28 to 10 lead. Their top two quarterbacks are knocked out. That's I know right. Will Howard came back a little bit later, but by then momentum had flipped sidelines and TCU was making headway. They were coming back. So they were fortunate, kind of, to win that. Don't want to take too much credit away from them. And then they lose to Kansas State the second time around. And it was questionable as to whether they were better than Kansas State after watching them play them twice. Uh, so there is that. They got fortunate against Michigan. couple of the turnovers inside the five-yard line. A couple of the pick sixes. I know the defense deserves some of that credit for those pick sixes. Uh, but then I look, you know, listen, they beat Kansas by seven. They snuck by Okie State in two overtimes. They escaped Baylor by one point. Credit goes to them for winning those football games. But again, I don't have any of those teams anywhere close to Georgia's level of play. Mm -hmm. And I think that Kirby Smart, besides the fact they won the game, the best thing that happened to Kirby Smart was he could go in that film room all week long and say, secondary, you stunk. You were horrible. Look how badly you played. Look how badly you got burned. And maybe kind of refocus the pass defense. It's going to be interesting. Again, it's not a big play, but I did bet Georgia I think they win this game. (laughs) I don't know, I think by the time it's said and done, they probably win by about 17. I did see about 75% of the tickets on TCU, and the number did move down. But again, I'm not so sure that we're not going to see sharp money come in on Georgia. And again, I did see this morning that line move up to 13 in a couple of shops. It is. Right now at Circa, it's 13. At DraftKings, 12.5, and
2: and at the South Point, 12. So um, I think it's probably going to kick off right in that neighborhood of 13 points on Monday night. I was right there with you on Ohio State last week. The Buckeyes blew the game, Scott. They let sure. them off the hook. Got outscored 18-3 in the fourth quarter. Uh, the one thing about Georgia, and um, I thought Ohio State could exploit this, the pass defense is not good. right? And there, there were not a lot of teams in the SEC that could exploit that, but I thought the Buckeyes could. Mm-hmm. In the past two games, the Georgia pass defense has allowed 850 yards. Yeah. 850. Now, I'm not sure the TCU has enough firepower to take full advantage of that either. I do think the Frogs are going to show up to fight because that's their character. You know, Max Duggan is the type of quarterback who's not um, not going to lay down on Monday night and he's going to play to the wire. But I think this is the type of game where Georgia, probably a little bit too strong, could overwhelm the Frogs in the second half and pull away. Uh, I just don't have a strong opinion on this game either. I think the number is this game's probably going to fall to where Georgia wins somewhere between 11 to 17 points. Sure, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably going to lie, bet the game. I don't have a strong opinion on the total either.
1: I don't have a strong – I kind of lean – I know a lot of folks are thinking it's going to be a high-scoring game because of what we've seen out of Georgia's defense, as you mentioned, what TCU does on the football field with being able to put points on the board. And then you had two games last week. One's at 83 points, and the other one is when they end up scoring 96 in the TCU game. And I, I think the game stays under the total, but not enough to jump on it. For one thing, I'm not a big totals guy. But I did make the total like within a point and a half of where the total sits right now. I lean towards the under, but I'm not going to get involved. Now, if you're sitting in front of your TV like I normally would be at home, this would be a great game to have some fun doing some in-game betting and actually making some decent money on it while you're watching it. Uh, I think we will find out a lot early on in this contest, but... Uh, Again, I just think Georgia's got a little bit more in them in that secondary than what we've seen. And remember, C.J. Stroud—he has the bad quarter to half against Michigan, and it's like the entire non-betting media right. like wrote this guy off. It was like he was an also ran. And and I, I, as much as I like, you know, Max Omaha Council Bluffs kid, that kind of thing. You know, I'm giving Omaha credit there, but I think he's from Council Bluffs, across the river. Uh, but uh, anyway, I do think that they'll keep firing the football. I think Georgia just becomes too much in the trenches for TCU to hang throughout the course of the game.
2: Uh, I was in Omaha a couple times, once to cover NCAA tournament, I had to go to Council Bluffs to, you know, drink late at night because the bars shut down in Omaha at like 12 or 12.30. I
1: I got a story for you. You can cross state line in Omaha Council Bluffs, for those who don't know, and I don't blame you if you don't. I'm from Omaha, so I can say that. But Omaha Council Bluffs is twin cities. It's like saying Minneapolis-St. Paul to people in eastern Nebraska and western Iowa. They don't have legalized sports betting in Omaha but there's like a strip joint which has the closest book making in Council Bluffs, from what I've been told. And you can sit in the parking lot there, cross the river in Council Bluffs and make your bets. Mm-hmm. Then you can go back across the border into Omaha, into the state line, across the state line into Nebraska. But it uh, could be changing soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, listen, I, I, I've been in trouble many times for ripping Council Bluffs growing up in Omaha. There's a lot of rivalry. I remember that really bad game that Peyton Manning had for the Denver Broncos in the, in the playoff game. A few years ago and i said it got so bad that he went from saying omaha omaha to council bluffs council bluffs <laughs> and i got ripped apart on twitter for that line i thought it was pretty good
2: <laughs> now i also wondered about the money line in this game on uh, monday night if um, there was a chance that the public was going to play this like a super yeah. bowl and bet the underdog in the money line and sure. you could get a bargain price on georgia by kickoff but i'm not sure that's going to happen i don't think it'll happen now
1: uh, i mean mm-hmm. obviously the money line isn't where it should be for a 12 and a half point line. Uh, But I don't think you're going to get a lot of benefit or value out of Georgia in that situation. we
2: talk about more of your best bets. You've got a uh, a teaser on the Seahawks to the Cowboys, and you also played two sides in the NFL.
1: Yeah, we kind of talked a lot about lately about the Cowboys and the Seahawks. uh, Teased the Cowboys down to a point over Washington, the Seahawks, to pick them against the Rams. I'll get to the Browns and Steelers. Haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about that one other than at the start of the show. And I really think it's a situation where – you know, you've got a motivated football team in Pittsburgh, obviously. You know, they part of the equation to them getting to the postseason would be to win this game and get a couple of losses by New England and Miami. I don't like Cleveland. They're both gonna try to run the football. They both want to run the football, but Cleveland can't stop the run, and Pittsburgh does, especially since TJ Watt got over his injury and got back in the mix. But I don't think the Browns will stop the run. I don't trust Deshaun Watson. He hasn't played well thus far. 56% passer. I like Pittsburgh minus the points in that one.
2: All right, quick break. We come back. We've got Scott Kellen, another regular on the show. Sharp NFL handicappers having a good season. We're gonna talk with Scott Kellen about his best bets. Stay tuned, V Sin the Sports Betting Network.